Welcome back, feisty followers. Today, we have a very special guest, Usha Anandi. Usha combines her knowledge of ancient Eastern energetic practices that she learned from her teachers, Himalayan yoga master Yogrishi Vishvakatu and Maestra Doña Maria Carmen, a Zapotec midwife in Curandera. She draws upon her education as a holistic nutritionist, childbirth educator, full-spectrum doula, herbalist, and yoga teacher trainer to create profoundly comprehensive teachings offered in a clear, accessible, and compassionate way. Welcome, Usha. Hi, Usha. Welcome to Feisty Founders. Thank you so much for joining me. Hi, Becca. Thank you so, so much for having me. I'm so grateful and honored to be here with you today. Oh my gosh. Well, to start, I would love if you would just walk us through what your company, Woman Wellness, is all about. Absolutely. So Woman Wellness is an integrative platform that supports people in healing their wombs. And that's through a myriad of ways. So we have a method that starts with the mind. So really reprogramming what we've learned or didn't learn in school through empowerment and education. And then we drop into the heart where we find a sense of compassion for ourselves, for what we've been through, and a connection to our maternal lineage. And then we drop down into the womb and the body overall. And we talk about how to read the language of our body, how to actually feel sensation in our being. And we do this all through ceremony and ritual and a connection to community. So we're revillaging. And I really think, you know, creating the community that in some parts of the world still exists, but for many of us is something faint that we never had in our lives, a thing of the past. So really our work is about returning to what's real, returning to our bodies, returning to the earth, returning to our innate cycles. And we do this through alchemizing science and the sacred. So it's real grounded, I think, really useful wisdom. Wow, well said. It sounds like the work that you're doing is so beautiful. And I will say just from a personal connection that I have with you, Usha, I'm one, so grateful that you're here. And two, um, you are actually, for those of you who are listening, my yoga teacher about, gosh, I think it must have been like over two years ago now. Um, And so I was out there in the jungle of Costa Rica with you, Usha. And I think that kind of introduced me to womb sciences and sacred Mm -hmm. sort of integration there, like you spoke about. So I really, really love the work that you're doing, and I think that uh, it's a very worthy cause, of course. And how do you feel that your background or experiences shaped your just approach to kind of how you run your company and, and why you're doing and focused on this area? Yeah, great question. So my background, um, you know, I was on the pill for five years. And even when I didn't need to be, I was only sexually active for three of those years. But I took it really to get rid of this really annoying, painful, horrible thing called my period. And um I got rid of it. Of course, I did extended cycling, which all of my medical providers told me was, you know, the best thing to do. Skip the placebo pill, keep taking the synthetic hormones, no side effects as long as you don't smoke. Um, But unfortunately, you know, that wasn't true. And so I found myself after years of being on different brands of the pill, I found myself... um, really in a mental in a mental and physical crisis so my body was falling apart in front of my eyes and um, I was having huge amounts of hair loss cystic acne all over my face and huge mood swings and digestive issues and that's when I really decided okay it's time to take my health into my own hands time to stop putting responsibility on people outside of me to heal me and it's it's really time to take agency for my own journey and that's when i decided to go to school for holistic health so i studied holistic nutrition specifically for the female endocrine system so how to heal our hormones with food and then through that journey of healing myself i also discovered a lot of birth trauma both in my own um, experience entering the world and in my maternal lineage as well so i became a fully devout full spectrum doula and um, have just been so passionate about 
all things cyclical um, and birth and death uh, for many years. And so our business, Woman Wellness, is is really based on feminine-based principles, and I feel so grateful. Um, I ran Woman Wellness alone for some years, and then uh, more than a year ago, I merged with a past student of mine, actually. Her name is Camille, and she's now the co-director and co-owner. And so um, we run our business in a really feminine way, where sometimes our business meetings are like women's circles, (laughs) and it's just a... (laughs) A realization that you know behind every business are humans and how can we really run our business and create this movement from a place where we are walking the talk and um, that's just the most important thing to me so yeah I hope that answered your question yeah absolutely I think it's um and it's just, you know, it really strikes me that sometimes it takes a crisis to be able to kind of find your life path. And it sounds like for you, you really were experiencing a crisis in that moment with all of the symptoms that you were having from the pill. And so, you know, on some level, I'm very grateful that you had those experiences because now look where you are. <laughs> um, and along those lines, in terms of kind of the education that you saw out, where did you go? What were, I mean, you, you said that kind of holistic nutrition specifically catered to the female uh, endocrine system. I mean, all of that sounds like it's really hyper-focused. So where did you seek this out and where were you able to find something that really met those needs? Yeah, you know, going to university, I received like a really great foundation, but actually I don't feel like the wisdom fully was embodied within me until I studied with my two teachers. So I apprenticed with a curandera, and a partera, which is like a traditional midwife of the Zapotec tradition in the mountains of Oaxaca in Mexico. And through living with her and apprenticing with her, um, I learned so much about living this wisdom and about what embodiment meant, you know. And I remember sitting with her one day and we were reading an herb book that she co-authored with some other uh, local herbalists and, and midwives. And um, of course, my my teacher, Doña Maria Carmen is her name to really honor her and respect her and say that name here. Um, she, Spanish was her second language. And besides that, you know, she hadn't had a traditional education. So here I was, you know, highly educated, super science nerd, like very (laughs) book smart, um, super like I come from a place where I was I was always really valuing intelligence and knowledge. And I was sitting with her and one day we were reading and she was reading to me from that book that she had co-authored. And I realized that you know, she could barely read. And here I was sitting with a woman who knew more than I feel I could ever hope to know in my life and embodied joy and lightheartedness and childlike wonder, even though she was about 82 at the time. And it just really hit me like, you know, this wisdom that we, that we seek is not in a book. It's not in a degree. Mm. It's in an embodiment of a practice. It's in dedicating your life to a movement, to a spark of intu- of intuition, of inspiration. And, you know, that was a huge life-changing moment for me, just realizing wisdom is so much more valuable than knowledge. So for me, I, I feel that my you know, this information that I learned in school or the certifications I've taken, all of that stuff that we seek um, in our world that, you know, tells us we're qualified or worthy or makes us believe in ourselves, which is totally valid in, in some cases. And yet it's really not everything. And so that's what, that's what I really feel, um, you know, following that call. And for me, the call has been very strong. I, I know what I'm here to do. And, um, and so to, to have met her and to 
really feel the embodiment. What is a true elder, you know, and a true teacher was a very profound moment for me. Wow, that sounds like an incredible experience. Were these teachers, you mentioned that there were two of them, did you have access to them through the educational program that you were doing? No. Um, so the first teacher that I met uh, was Yogrishi Vishvakatu, who is a Himalayan yoga master. And I met him um, through a woman that I used to teach yoga teacher trainings with, Adi Shakti. And um, she introduced me to him. And Akanda Yoga is the lineage of yoga that he teaches. Um, and so, you know, living in Costa Rica, going back and forth between India and then subsequently enough, uh, my partner at the time was living in Mexico doing um, like I'm, uh, community service. I'm thinking in Spanish all of a sudden, community service. And, um, you know, he was living in a, in a very small town in the mountains of Oaxaca. And I just was receiving so many messages that, that there was someone near. I felt the energy of the grandmother and I searched for her for a very long time. And, um, through a lot of different magical events and just, you know, the women in the community trusting me, um, they eventually introduced me to her and, um, but it took a, took a lot of faith as there were many, you know, dead ends. And so, yeah, it, it's really been a very guided experience. And, um, yeah, I think that there's a lot of people searching for that right now, which is so beautiful. And yet, you know, uh, one of, my teacher says, like, when you are so desperate and on your knees, that is when your teacher arrives. And I feel that, you know, today everything can be found on a Google search. And that's not necessarily um, what, what I experience. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. And I mean, it just sounds like a, a true sort of element of surrender there where you just kind of had to follow the path of that life was providing you instead of, you know, the Google searches. And so it's really beautiful to kind of hear how all of that wove together to produce this outcome. Mm -hmm. In terms of building up that trust, I mean, we're talking about developing relationships with teachers or mentors or, you know, guides, ancestors, all of these different people who can kind of help us as younger, whether it's entrepreneurs or healers or whatever, what have you what, you know, the process in terms of getting somebody to want to help you, how did you have to experience that? And do you have advice for other people that are, are looking for something like that? Mm. Yeah, you know, the first thing that comes to me, Becca, when you say that, when you ask me that is to use discernment and um, to really discern who, you know, not all that glitters is gold, and especially in our day and age where um, we have marketing and we have all these different ways to kind of build up a persona and um, not all that glitters is gold. And so when you are calling in that mentor to just be really honest with yourself about what you feel. And I speak directly to people um, you know, who are really desperate to be guided or who really want to call in that energy and just to have discernment because, yeah, power dynamics can be dangerous in a way. And so to just really have discernment when you call in a mentor. Um, and I, th I feel like it's, it's not coming from a place of like, oh, I hope I'm worthy that they accept me. And of course, there is an element of, of bowing down and a surrender and a willingness to be humble and, and open. And then also to still hold yourself in a place of power and move forward with discernment. And um, yeah, I really feel like a true mentor, a true guide makes you feel like you are they're equal. And that is something that I think is very important and something that I always try to admit to uh, women who come and study with us um, and people who come and study and sit in circle with us. It's like, 
we're sitting heart to heart, womb to womb. There's no hierarchy here. And I think that when calling in a mentor or a teacher or a coach, whatever, to have that humility, but also to move forward with discernment, um, that's the way I, I feel comfortable talking about it, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, absolutely. In terms of being a mentor yourself, obviously you're a teacher, you host these sort of in-person events and now probably virtual events, which we can talk about later. Um, but how have you experienced the shift from being guided to being a guide? Yeah, for me, um, you know, I was teaching at the same time that I was apprenticing. I was, I was already sharing. Um, but the way I see my role as a teacher is, um, is very, I don't see myself as a leader. I don't see myself as, you know, as like the, yeah, I, I don't see myself as like the one at the front. I see myself beside the people who study with me and hand in hand with them because I am just very aware of my humanness. And for me, you know, I, uh, I'm very devotional. And I think you know this with me after studying uh, your 200 hours. I'm super into like Pakti yoga and devoting myself. And um, in this day and age, we have to be really careful with that to not lose ourselves. And so what I try to hold space for is for each of my um, students and people who learn with me to to find their own sovereignty and guide their own way to know that I'm here beside them and I'm still learning too you know and that's what I'm interested in is as a guide consistently embodying my own humanness because that's what I'm drawn to I'm not drawn to to teachers who are pretending that they've got it all figured out you know, I, I want some admittance of this crazy journey that we're all on and that we're kind of trying to use our tools to navigate it and figure it out. And I think in this day and age, that transparency is so needed, you know, and we see and we have seen so many very prominent teachers fall from power after their humanness is discovered. And um, I just I for me, a feminine based path means leading with my humanness, showing myself and, um, and being okay with that. So that's really what I learned and, and what I try to embody. So for me, I don't feel like, I feel like whenever I start to think of myself as like, I'm a guide, <laughs> then it just it just, it's just not what I'm supposed to do. So I really try to, um, yeah, keep myself in deep integrity with that and, uh, humility. Yeah, I think that's absolutely wonderful. And especially because so much of what you're relaying to, you know, whether they're American people or whoever is ancient practices, right? They're thousands of years old. They, you know, kind of need to be held in, with a certain level of sacredness. And so I agree when you come across that yoga teacher who thinks that they know everything because they did 200 hours of training, you're sort of like, <laughs> well, I'm sure there's more to yoga than just this. So I, I love that approach to and just the, the humility that you have as a, a guide, I should say. And something that I'm curious about is just about the transition of having worked on your own to now having kind of a, we could call it a co-founder or a co-owner. How did you experience that? Have you found that you've been able to grow much more rapidly? What, you know, from being on your own to working one-on-one -on -one with somebody else that obviously comes with a lot of changes. So how have you experienced those changes? Oh God, I'm over here like kind of laughing because I feel like, you know, my partnership with Camille saved me from like death. Oh my <laughs> when gosh. I talk about that, <laughs> I, I'm very dramatic, but I, I'm, I'm real in that, you know, running your own business and doing everything yourself you know, social media, um, comments, emails, uh, like envisioning, planning, finances. Not only is it exhausting, but it's unsustainable. 
And Mm -hmm. for me, I had done it for almost three and a half years, I believe, before Camille and I formed our partnership. And we have such a beautiful dynamic where she is really incredible with numbers and marketing and, and management. And I am allowed then to really be free and be creative and envision and, and be the teacher that I am. And when I was doing everything myself, I started to lose sight of that. You know, I remember I had taught three back-to-back trainings and held space for almost 80 people in a matter of a month and a half. And then I went to India and taught a 200-hour teacher training. And there was like a four-day period between that. And at the and that's when Camille, you know, tried to get me on a call and was like, Usha, like, I need to connect with you because she she had this feeling of what we were meant to do together. And I didn't think about it at all when she called. I was like, Yes, yes. <laughs> I just oh. I knew it deep down in myself. Um, but you know, having a team and we have such an incredible team of people supporting this vision and it's a completely different dynamic, you know, when it's just you all there by yourself on your lonesome managing all of these different um, aspects. And I know that for many entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, Camille calls them, um, that's necessary. You know, we have to start somewhere. And for me, I had like zero capital starting Women Wellness. So it was actually just me with like turmeric stained hands in the middle of the jungle in Costa Rica. Like, <laughs> I'm going to start expressing myself on Instagram, you know, with these huge visions. And um, it, it grew super rapidly, which I'm so grateful for. And yet, the the growth and and my vision for what i really believe women wellness is meant to be was was not possible on my own and so i feel like again guided in the fact that i know that something is needed to be done and then you know camille came came back in uh, to my life in that way. So yeah, it, it was a big transition. And actually, I'm still transitioning even after a year and a half for the first year. It's very hard for me to release control. Um, and it's very hard alone. to... Yes, it's like, you know, and even still, I'm like, <gasps> and I noticed this... Um, yeah, there's this, it's like, it's your baby, you know, you're, it's your creative baby. And I, and yet I have really noticed that oftentimes that control um, really keeps me and keeps our team from excelling because it's, it's my own personal limitation. And so when I can just trust, you know, when, when trust is earned and I can lean back into that and trust, I mean, wow, you can do amazing things with a group of people who are aligned in their intention. So yeah, the transition, especially in our modern world where we are taught that being a successful blah, 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 woman, business owner, entrepreneur, whatever is kind of like doing everything and wearing exhaustion as a badge of honor. And it's, um, it, it's been a big reclamation of my spaciousness outside of my business and a big, uh, permission to to rest and an invitation to trust other people. Yeah, wow. That sounds like a, a really amazing experience then to have taken on this kind of co-owner and to just lighten the load a little bit and be able to focus on what you want to focus on. I think we hear that a lot actually about entrepreneurs who start off on their own and it is a struggle. I mean, when you're by yourself, you're trying to do everything. Sometimes it's what's needed to kind of activate the vision, but eventually it, you know, the exhaustion gets to you. So I'm, I'm really happy for you that you've been able to find the right co-founder. It also sounds like in terms of finding the right co-founder, there was kind of an element of, again, trust and surrender for, you know, anyone else who's going at it alone right now, but feels like they want to join forces with somebody else. What would you suggest in terms of how to find that person? Yeah, for me, you know, Camille had taken 
my prenatal yoga teacher training and possibly the most intense, beautiful, raw one I have ever taught. So she knew damn well (laughs) what my work was. So um, her coming in was like, I already knew we were aligned, you know, and that's a, a big blessing. And um, we have different personalities, which I think balance each other super well, but we kind of run different aspects of the business and we let ourselves do that. And that's a big thing that she has taught me is to stay in your genius zone, you know, which means I'm not handling mm. the finances. <laughs> that's, that's not, not my genius zone. zone. <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm like creating our curriculum and writing our content and, um, you know, envisioning the programs and the trainings. Um, and that's my genius zone. And her genius zone is the marketing and the management and the finances. And, and she's amazing at running a business and giving it a structure, which is really what, what I was doing but hated doing, right? And so um, I think for anyone looking for a co-founder or even just like an assistant, someone to support you, you know, because we, we don't always start with like, yeah, come – come in and run my business with me. Sometimes it's, it's smaller baby steps. I would say really get honest with what your genius zone is. And that means like, let go of the things that you know, you're not actually that good at. Like, for example, I remember I used to do all of our graphic design and I thought I was so good at it on Canva, you know, like spending (laughs) hours moving like letters around so that they were like equal and I was such a perfectionist with it and Camille constantly asked me like do you want to get a graphic designer do you want to get a graphic designer and I was like no like let me just design this first version of my ebook and then you know it it took me maybe a hundred hours of just pure frustration and then our graphic designer came on her name is Anina she's incredible and she just reworked the whole thing in like two days it is so magnificent, so beautiful. And here I was like feeling like an idiot, you know, trying to control something again and just not really being honest with myself at what I wasn't the best at, you know? And so know your genius zone. I would say start from that. Know what it is that makes you feel alive in your business. Why did you do it in the first place? For me, I didn't start Women Wellness so that I could be managing my expenses and, and you know, even planning out numbers for marketing. I did it because I have a burning desire to share teachings and a message that supported me in healing. And so when I stay in that genius zone and I stay in my wheelhouse, then it allows other people to also step into their genius zone. And then we just work together like this well-oiled machine or better, I like, you know, really balanced, thriving ecosystem. So know your genius zone and then the areas that you need support, find someone who, who loves those areas. Find someone that that's their genius zone and always above all, make sure that you are aligned in your mission because at the end of the day, mm. conflicts may arise and frustration may arise. It always does. We're humans. You know, we have to communicate, but as long as your mission you're aligned with your mission, that's the bottom line. And that will reconnect you, bring unity back together because at the end of the day, it's bigger than you. It's bigger than you. What you've come here to do is bigger than this human uh, ego or, or our pain or our wounds. And if we can just remember that while still allowing ourselves to um, you know, heal and, and communicate. I think that's, that's really important. Hmm. I'm just pondering on that one because I think that was so beautifully said. And it's really interesting that kind of, I feel like the takeaways that I'm getting from that are when you've got a controlling and prideful ego that will (laughs) definitely get in the way of having a cohesive partnership with anyone. And we all do at times, you know, and especially if you've created something, you have a vision 
looking for it. You think you know where it should go. And, and sometimes we do, but really also sometimes we just have to open up to grace and grace is the guide. And so speaking of opening up to grace in some sense, it sounds like you feel like you're really guided to be exactly where you are and that this is kind of your purpose in life. Do you feel that the experiences you had were directly leading you to that? Or have you always known that you wanted to be a teacher or something along those lines? No, I wanted to be a famous singer. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> I, had, I had no idea um, that this is what I was going to do. And, um, you know, I, I actually say, like, I didn't want to do this work. This work chose me. And, and I feel that. It's like... I was really left with a choice, like ignore my issues and continue to suffer or face them and turn towards the pain. And, um, you know, of course I avoided it for some time, but then eventually I, I couldn't not look at it anymore. And I, I turned towards it and, um, I feel that it is sometimes, as you said earlier, you know, a crisis that shows us what we're meant to do. But I think it's it's a shadow that leads us to our purpose in a sense. And, um, you know, that's not always the case. But for me, it's like, why did these events happen to me in my life? And And what can I make of this? And if I really accept this and integrate it, Maybe it's not something to hide. Maybe it's something to, to mine gold from. And I, I really feel that of, I really tried to, to share from a place of experience. And um, when I was going through my own health issues and I was dealing from trauma, it felt like no one had experienced it or, or people weren't talking about it. And I longed for a space where, it was destigmatized and where we could just recognize this as a part of our experience and, and mourn and grieve and laugh and celebrate and, you know, all of those human things we do. And um, so, yeah, I really feel like it's, it's a choice. It's a choice that we have to take a look at our life and see like, hmm, what's the pattern here? What am I, what am I trying to be told? And um, it was just an obsession with healing myself that that really got me into this work and a, a realization upon sharing it that people were rarely talking about this. And especially in the yoga space, you know, when I started teaching 200 hour and 300 hour trainings, I was just realizing teaching anatomy and, and um, women's health and nutrition that um, there was a big gap in, in, um, in the way that, um, yeah, there was a, a lack of information about how to reconnect with our cycles um, and, and a lack of differentiation, let's say, or an honoring of, of the differences of the physical bodies and the energetic bodies and, and what we all go through. So, um, yeah, I'm just kind of obsessed with pulling back the veil. And I think that's what, that's what it's really been about for me. My gosh, are you a Scorpio? <laughs> I have a Scorpio midhaven, which makes me very uh, Scorpionic. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. I was going to say, pulling back the veil. <laughs> um, it's so fun talking to you. So something that I'm curious about, when you are the owner of a business that's all about and just to sort of, I don't want to be offensive here, but it's kind of about self-care at some level, right? Like mm. taking care of yourself, making sure that you yourself are mentally, physically, spiritually healthy, happy, wise, what have you. Mm. When you're a founder, sometimes it can be very stressful. And I'm sure it was much more so yes. before you joined with your, with your co-founder now. So how do you handle the stress of being a founder and has it changed for you? How have you, how have you learned how to kind of cope with that or manage it as you've kind of grown as being a business owner? That's a really great question. Yeah. At the beginning, it was definitely 
very stressful. And I think it was really stressful mainly because I refused to kind of put a schedule on myself. And so I was like, I'm just going to create when I want to create. And, you know, I, I get these huge spurts of inspiration and I, I would create then and birth so much and then have like a week or two weeks of doing nothing. And when you are a solo entrepreneur, you're, you're the business, you know, and you're not responding to things. Energy isn't moving and you're not putting in energy. Sometimes it feels like you're, you're also not getting it back. And so I actually think that my lack of creating a foundation for me created a lot of stress. And I really learned after honing my daily routine of like, you know, creating that foundation, which in some, you know, some people might call that masculine or constricting or whatever. For me, that was absolutely necessary of like, these are the times I'm going to work. These are the days I'm going to work. This is where I'm going to work. Um, and that really helped me when I was still going it on my own. Now, when I merged with Camille and we you know, started to build our team, I noticed still a lot of resistance to resting. And it was a weird feeling of like, wait, I, I don't have to be responding to our messages on Facebook or Instagram, or I, I don't have to be checking emails. And I found myself actually feeling like, am I obsolete? And it was a very interesting journey for my own ego of like, what is my purpose here? Like, this is, this is my child, you know? And, <laughs> and, um, I just had to like, you know, calm myself, take a step back. And, um, and I think that for me, one of the things that I do, which I am constantly getting better at day by day, and, um, you know, I am totally still laps on it, but I will delete Instagram completely off of my phone. And um, that is really helpful for me. And luckily, I'm in a place where I can do that. But when I need to create or need to share something, I, I go on there and I share and then I try to delete it as soon as I can. And same thing with Facebook. When I, when I have to go live, I will re-download the app. But then other than that, I'm deleting it. So that really helps me because there's so much information out there. And with the way the algorithm goes, it looks like everyone's doing the same thing. And I really try to stay in my own channel. So um, that's really important for me to limit time on technology and um, to also have a morning routine. And I notice that when I put myself first in the morning rather than my work and I take time to, you know, for me right now, I'm pregnant. And so my yoga practice has very much changed. So for me, for a while, it was like, I'm just going to take a bath at 8am in the morning, <laughs> and just giving myself permission to just do that. And to, to really set myself up first, to be in myself, and then to enter work. And that's that makes a huge difference in terms of my productivity in terms of my clarity and you know sometimes when you're not clear you're just sitting at the computer or or writing or whatever for like 8 hours and nothing comes out versus when you take the time to take care of yourself then you can get that amount of work done in in 2 hours in, in 3 hours you know so um following the schedule, but still learning how to listen to the rhythms of my body. I think that has been the most important thing for me and learning how to say no. So as you grow, you will get so many opportunities. People want to send you this or they want to do this with you. They want to feature you on this, which is so incredible. And um, learning how to say no for me as someone who usually just says yes has been really important. Like this is what I'm focused on. I'm honing my energy. And you know what? It's okay. I'm giving myself that permission to do that. Well, first and foremost, thank you so much for saying yes to this. I'm so, so glad to be able to have this conversation. Anything you want, Becca. <laughs> I love it. I feel like I have a special in or something. <laughs> um, 
something that you were saying earlier just really struck me just about applying structure to being an entrepreneur. And it's really interesting because I was so floundering in the beginning when it was like all of a sudden nobody was telling me what to do and I had to tell myself Mm -hmm. what to do. And so I think that's really, really good advice that anyone who's listening and who's been trained in the system that we've been trained in, because so much of it is just based on programming. Like you go to school, you sit down, you listen to somebody and then they tell you what to do. And then when you go to work, if you work in like a a job, you know, there's going to be somebody there who's going to tell you what to do. And so to be an entrepreneur, all of a sudden, it's like you have to tell yourself what to do and coming up with some way to actually make that happen while still, as you said, honoring your own sort of experience and the flow of just your situation and of your life is, is so crucial. And so I just wanted to kind of iterate on that a little bit more because that really, really hit home for me personally. (laughs) And so one of my last questions, well, I have two more, I believe. So something you said earlier as well, while you were answering my last question was just about scrolling through social media and feeling like everyone's doing something the same. And it's really interesting because in a business like yours that has both in-person offerings, but also kind of a lot of online offerings, there are, as you are well aware, thousands and thousands of other sort of online businesses that are probably doing something relatively similar to you. Though I do admit, I think that you have a very unique value proposition. With that said, how do you stand out from all of these other sort of quote unquote competitors or other players in the space or people who are trying to get attention and get noticed? What makes you distinct? How do you really make sure that you're hitting home on something that's unique to you and unique to the market? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I think the more I try to stand out, the less that I do. Like the more that I come from that place of like there are other people and and I have to like make this unique, the less I feel the authenticity flow from me. And when I speak just from myself and from my truth, It doesn't matter if I'm saying the same thing that someone else has said because, you know, energy comes not only to me, to everyone. And and sometimes we get collective downloads. And it's it's funny when you talk about something and then you see someone else posted about it. It's not like, oh, that's my teaching. It's like it's coming through to them as well, you know. And um, so I think for me – And yet, I also think that there is a huge potential, especially just playing on the way that a lot of women especially compare themselves to others. Social media is a really dangerous place for that because we're seeing everyone's best foot forward. And, um, you know, when we do this work, there are certain buzzwords that everyone uses and the algorithm just shows us what it thinks we'll like. So, you know, some days when I'm on Instagram, it's like, everyone is doing this work. Like, do I even need to do this? And it's funny because when I started Women Wellness, first of all, there were very few people sharing about uh, this specific kind of work in the online space. And also the algorithm was different. So now it's really caught on and Woomerk has become quite trendy. Um, And the algorithm has changed. So it's like everyone seems like they're doing the same thing, which is really unfortunate because the internet was a place where we had the potential to open our minds to new things. That's not how social media works. So I feel really strongly like I am able to discern when I am coming from clarity. And even after 10 minutes of scrolling on Instagram and and just seeing what's going on, I feel that clarity dissipate. And when it is dissipated, I try not to share. And when something comes through me, it comes through in a, a big rush. I feel it strongly. That is when I write. It is when I am in my own energy, in my own inspiration, in my own practice that I share. And that is how I hold myself in integrity. And for me, that's just what it's always been about rather than like, okay, this person does that. And how can I like 
make myself like different than them. It's, I have never compared my work, you know, and base my work off of someone else. I have just always tried to move from that place. Um, and yeah, I think for me in my own personal practice, that is how I know that I am in integrity and that's how I sleep well at night just personally. And so that's what I really think, you know, that's what I, that's what I try to do. And that's what I wish um, we could all do in this, in this world of just like, yeah, we are all so special and so unique. And when you speak from that special place inside of you that no one else can touch, no one else can access, that only you came here with, it's that special essence, like that is what draws people, you know? And that is what calls in the people that you are meant to serve and meant to connect with and touch. Um, and so, yeah, just really staying in that, in that authenticity personally. Mm. Thanks for sharing that. And my final question, Usha, is related to your recently revealed pregnancy. So first <laughs> of all, congratulations. I am sure it's very, very exciting for you since this has been kind of your purpose for the last however many years. And it's kind of what your entire business is focused around in many ways. So first of all, one thing that I'm curious about is just how has the pregnancy itself, I mean, it comes with all of these other symptoms and changes in your hormones and all of these different things. How has that affected you as a business owner? And then secondly, how has it been to be able to have this experience, which is, like I said, one of the major focuses of the work that you do? I feel like, do we have three days to talk about this? <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. It's a loaded question. It's all good. It's such a, it's such a large topic. Um, so yeah, you know, again, I feel really grateful to have a team that is understanding. And also one of the things that um, I've really noticed awaken in myself during this pregnancy is this kind of ferocity. And sometimes when I didn't meet deadlines or I was behind on something, I would start to feel this sense of like guilt of like, oh, I'm not showing up. And, you know, when it's just me, it's different. But when there's a team, it's like, oh, I'm not showing up for the team or, you know, that old sense of like, succeed and produce or else, you know, and having to pull those layers for myself. But during this pregnancy, I haven't felt that at all. It's like, yeah, I'm not able to do that. And I'm just, no. And I feel um, no guilt around it. So that's been very empowering for me to, to feel that like fire and ferocity. Um, during the first trimester and, and, into my second as well, I was very, very sick and, you know, vomiting quite often. And um, before the nausea and the vomiting kind of hit me, I was really fatigued. And that is actually when I created my Breathing Bleeding Being Menstrual Reclamation online course. <laughs> so for anyone who takes that course, that's me in my first trimester of pregnancy. Um, and you know, I'm so grateful to my partner because he was, I call him the producer for that course. He was filming it. And in between takes, I'm like laying on the floor and like singing and pounding on the earth and like calling in the strength. But while I was exhausted, it also was very empowering because I was talking from this place of honesty. And I feel like that's what it's given me is this honesty. And I've taught about this for years. You know, I've taught prenatal te teacher trainings uh, for yoga teacher trainings for many years. And um, I've been a birth doula and a um, postpartum doula and for, for a long time. And yet experiencing it is such, is such a different um, journey. And for me, it, this pregnancy has been a true a true journey of awakening and embodiment. And again, it's that invitation like, okay, you have all this book knowledge and all of this observer knowledge that you've seen, you know, and experiences you've been a part of, but haven't been the, the main um, 
focus or, or actor or driver of it. And so now here's your experience and, and learn from it. And so um, it's been a real awakening. I feel that all of the parts of myself that I have been hiding unconsciously have come up to be healed. And so what I feel, and I've, I've always shared in this way, but I, I truly know in my bones now from my experience that pregnancy is a portal to deep ancestral healing. And that is what I feel and that is what I know. And so teaching about that and going through that, um, yeah, it's a, it's a lot to be in the work and to be sharing the work at the same time. And yet this, this pregnancy has, has tapped me into to something else that I could only previously read about or, or, you know, write about, but, but never really speak from that place. And so it's been a very um, humbling, awakening journey. Wow, I'm so happy for you and just so excited to see how you go through this experience. How far along are you? I am, I think, 19 weeks. Okay, wow. Well, again, yeah. congratulations, Usha. And Thank I just have you. to say, this was such a joy for me to be able to talk with you and learn from you. Um, I've always, always loved, loved, loved being a student of yours. And so it's great because once again, I get to be that right now. Um, so yeah, just thank you so much for, for joining me at this Feisty Founders episode. I think you're spectacular, and I know all of our listeners have so much to learn from you, so I'm really, really excited for everyone to be able to tune into this one. Thank you, Becca, and thank you for sharing your amazing wisdom as well. I learned a lot from you too, so thank you. Thank you so much, Usha, for joining us today. What a beautiful conversation this has been and so, so insightful. Tune in next time to hear from Sanya, the founder and CEO of Ona. And catch us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and check out our social media at Feisty Founders. See y'all next week.